It's the Big Punt Podcast. Here's your hosts, Sam Bridges and Gareth Buncombe. Hello, welcome along once again to a special edition of the Big Punt Podcast. I'm Sam Bridges. I'm Gareth Buncombe. And we're talking the St. Ledger's uh, this week. We've got the St. Ledger over at Doncaster on Saturday, where Camelot's going for the Triple Crown. We've also got the Irish St. Ledger, and it's uh, this time of the year as well where Gareth digs out his regular uh, Strictly Come Dancing bet. So he's got that to uh, wow you with after the lineup was uh, revealed this week. So he's got some... Uh, Pretty interesting picks, uh, I think. Uh, so we'll uh, get cracking with all things uh, St. Ledger and talk about uh, Camelot and whether you think, Gareth, that Camelot is uh, pretty much uh, a banker for completing a historic Triple Crown. Yeah, uh, in short, I think he is. Um, it's going to take a good horse to sort of dethrone him uh, on Saturday. He's priced up accordingly. Uh, unless you're betting the big bucks, two to five is probably not to everyone's taste. So... I mean, he looks and has looked head and shoulders above the rest of the classic generation this year. Um, and as I say, it's probably going to take something special to, to, to beat him. Um, obviously, as punters, we're looking for the reasons that he will be beat. Beyond the fact that he's never tackled the distance before, um, there's not really much to, to give you hope that he will be beaten. He certainly did look like he was coming to the end of his rope when he went in the derby. His breeding doesn't necessarily shout out uh, shout out that he's a stayer. Fame and glory has already proved uh, with his Ascot Gold Cup win that Montgers do stay. Um, if the ground was to slow up at all, that would possibly give some of the others a bit of hope because he showed in the Irish Derby he didn't necessarily handle handle the mud. But I, I don't think we we're expecting enough rain to, to turn it into bottomless ground. So, all told, he should win. It looks a weak field in all honesty. Nothing's for certain though with, with horse racing. Uh, and with Camelot taking such a huge chunk out of the market, uh, there's enough runners to pay three places. Uh, it's definitely each way of value for us to plunder. So looking at it then with Camelot, uh, there's been a bit of talk, Ed O'Brien and, and Joseph O'Brien saying there's a bit of nerves, a bit of tension. Uh, but uh, given the fact that, that they are going through this and everything's been put on this, so do you think that is just uh, maybe just a little before the Lord's Mayor show kind of, kind of thing that, they are quite confident, as we saw. There was a few nerves with Frankel's uh, run at York, but when it comes to it, Camelot will uh, show the show its class. Yeah, I was going to say you, you sort of always get it with Frankel as well. No one wants to come out and say, you know, yes, he will win because then you're like an idiot. But um, yeah, it, it's he, he is clearly a fantastic horse, and I think possibly he's been forgotten in the shuffle a little bit with Frankel's exploits this year. So it would be good to. Uh, to see him win on uh, on Saturday and, and cement his place in history, I mean, it, it's 42 years in the making, so of course there are going to be nerves, and I think rightly so, but he just looks so far clear of his rivals in this, I just can't see any other outcome. You think that uh, horse racing is putting itself in there for what's been the, the golden summer of sport? Andy Murray's won the US Open this week, Bradley Wiggins... The Tour de France, we've had the Olympics, the Paralympics, we've had Frankel stepping up to a mile and a quarter, Frankel again at Ascot uh, coming up uh, in October, Camelot and another uh, bit of history made, so it just shows that horse racing is trying to keep up there. Yeah, and anything that can get us onto the back pages rather than the front pages and, and into the news for the right reasons is, is great for the sport and uh, that's, what, that's what we're going to get if, uh, well either way, I mean the build up 
has been good um, and hopefully he can see it through and, and sort of yeah make the headlines for the right reasons and, and carry on this fantastic British summer of sport we've been having. So let's see, can we get Camelot B? And you say it's, it's looking a pretty tricky task. Of those in the field, uh, would the second favourite main sequence uh, be the one? He's probably got the best chance of beating him, um, but we're looking for a bit of value here. And an eight to one, I don't really see main sequences value. Um, yet, obviously, he was second in the derby, so it puts him bang on in with a form line with Camelot. But since then, he's looked unlucky in his last two runs. Clearly top class, but Bucky's love an unlucky horse. And like I say, eight to one, he just doesn't scream value to me at, at this stage. Um, we've got Imperial Monarch just in there behind as well in the betting. I've said for a long time, I don't expect this horse to run. It's certainly looking that way now. Several bookies have, have not even offered odds on him now. He is still entered. I would venture that that is literally because we're not taking anything for granted. There is a chance Camelot, something could happen. He might not eat up the night before. Um, and he may, you know, it's nothing's, nothing's guaranteed. He may not run. Um, so I'm guessing Imperial Monarch's in there as a backup. And at the last sort of... Uh, phase of declarations he'll be, he'll be removed um, so yeah I think the the, the bigger value uh, is definitely looking for a horse to possibly place each way and main sequence isn't going to pay too much at, at around you know two to one at quarter odds. Uh, and what about uh, the John Gosden um, duo that, that are going for him he's got his pacemaker in there uh, as well um, John Gosden, do you give him a chance? He's got a phen phenomenal record in the race. Yeah, obviously you've got to respect the uh, the Gosden horses. Uh, he's won it for the last two years with uh, Arctic Cosmos and then last year with Mass Marvel. Uh, Michelangelo and Fort Worthy, probably, you know, if you'd asked me a month ago, they'd have been the two who I thought had probably the least chance because Shantaram uh, and Great Heavens were, were headed, ahead of them in the betting. Great Heavens gone elsewhere, uh, heading off to France for, for a race there the following day. Uh, Shantaram been withdrawn due to uh, uh, medical reasons. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, I liked Michelangelo for this quite a while back when he was still looking quite progressive. But after he sort of disappointed a bit uh, at Goodwood last time uh, when he was third, the race didn't necessarily play to his strengths. He looks more of a stayer uh, and given Gosden's record in the race... You know, eleven to one. He's got to be respected, but he doesn't. He's not sort of outstanding value when when you're only really playing for each way money. Uh, Fort Worthy, on the other hand, you know, stole the uh, the great voltage uh, under an enterprising ride from William Buick last time. I'd expect Buick to to keep his ride on him here. Um, in terms of ability, did did the great voltage just sort of show him to the best of his ability? I'd say no. I'd say it was a great ride, and he probably caught a few of the others napping. Um, I'd probably. Even with Buick on board, Fort Worthy and and you know the the sort of purple patch he's been having this summer, I'd rather be with Michelangelo. His profile and the progressive sort of nature of him seems to fit a Gosden Ledger horse a bit more. Even if Fort Worthy on breeding would probably be the more likely Ledger horse. Uh, yeah, we're saying Gosden's got the two. He does have the pacemaker Dartford in there, but he's only rated 74. Um, I'm guessing he's there to make sure there's a, an honest pace, and I can't see him being good enough to uh, to land a blow. You mentioned Buick. Um, he is. We talked about Camelot going for the history since Dijinsky the first time to complete the Triple Crown. Buick uh, going for to become the first jockey to do it three times in a row since Lester Piggott uh, in that uh, hat trick, which included Dijinsky. So, do you think that he's got his own little bit of history to to play for that that 
could help his chances. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I expected him to, to be on thought worthy. However, if he was to opt for Michelangelo, then that would that would really uh, sort of please me because I, I did I flagged up Michelangelo quite a while back as as an, my anti post pick for this. So if he was to take the ride, then um, you know, just given what a great jockey he's proven himself to be, that I'd have to uh, give that one a chance. And I think he he's got a chance on Michelangelo, but you know, Camelot just it, it's the first. First ledger for a few years where there's been a, a truly outstanding horse in it, and, and I just it's still we just going back to where we began, and I can't see anything beating him. Um, guarantee um, is is one that sort of sort of a bit like Brown Panther last year, he's graduated from the handicaps, and wasn't necessarily talked about as a ledger horse until quite recently, and. You know, is he going to beat Camelot? No, but at fourteen to one, he looks a bit better value for a place. Um, he's the sort of horse you want in a race like this. Only his fifth career run, trainer's first run. Uh, William Haggis not going to not going to want to throw him in there unless he thought he had a chance. Um, and yeah, he's well bred, won well at Ripon at the end of July, packed up in the Melrose at York last time out, and the form of that race uh, reads quite well now. Big leap from handicaps to a classic, but who's to say how good he can be? And that's the sort of horse you want, really, uh, in a race like this. Underestimated and offering value against a favourite bidding for an historical win. Anything else in there, Thomas Chippendale? Yeah, Thomas Chippendale, again, probably being underestimated given what he's done before. He's a Royal Ascot winner. Um, 25 to 1 seems a big price about him. Didn't run well at Goodwood last time out, but you've got to forgive a horse one bad run. Um Another one, we've got Ursa Major in there, 33 to 1, perhaps being overlooked because, you know, there's another uh, more high profile runner from Ireland. Won the Irish St. Ledger trial, which is a Group 3 last time out, by Galileo. Um, could be a big price. There is one that um, sort of screams out at me, the only one we've not really talked about, uh, and he's, he's, he's looking a big one. Yeah, I feel something coming on. And now it's time for Gareth Buncombe's big one. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, Enke uh, for Godolphin. Um, given the relative prices of the horses that um, he finished in front of at Goodwood um, last time out, uh, Michelangelo, who we talked about, was 11 to 1. Thought Worthy, um, a main sequence, he was two and a quarter lengths behind last time out, and yet they're, they're all hovering sort of around the, the 10 to 1, 8 to 1 mark, and you've got Enke at 33 to 1. It just. Value-wise, to me, he is the value horse of this race. He, okay, unproven at Group One level, but he's never been worse than third in any of his runs. A couple of those in Group Two, Group Three contests. He's expected to improve for the trip, um, and obviously, I've said guarantees value at fourteen to one. He's been running in handicaps. Enki has been running in group races, and he's thirty-three to one. Uh, it just looks a gift at the current prices, and I'd be quite confident of it of a big run. So Enki, yeah, I, I do agree. I do like Enki as a horse, and yeah, massive uh, prices there. Still at thirty-three to ones at Sporting Bet. Stan James and Labrooks uh, as well for three places, paying a quarter of the odds. So yeah, that is fantastic value as you picked out. Uh, just before we finish on the St. Ledger Camelot, uh, if people like to pick Camelot against himself, uh, what what would your fancy be for Camelot's winning distance? Uh, be where it's uh, six to four uh, to win by three lengths uh, or more, um, Camelot not to win is nine to four, uh, Camelot to win by under three lengths uh, is what is six, so it's six to four or pretty much wherever you go, uh, but, but if you were going to 
back a distance would you which one would you be tempted well I think for? obviously the further you go the, the the greater chance there is of a, a bigger winning distance which is why Frankel's been so impressive you know hacking up by 15 uh, you know by 10 lengths and and the like um it's it's tough to say really I think three lengths or more is probably a good bet at around six to four it definitely gives you the better value than, than the straight win market so I think yeah I'd be looking at probably a, a three length or more victory for for the for the favourite in the uh, in the big race. So then, moving from Doncaster over to Ireland for the uh, Irish Ledger, what have you picked out uh, for this one? Yeah, I mean, hats off to uh, to Ireland, to the Curra for uh, putting it on uh, later on in the day. Um, it avoids the clash and it make, makes for a great afternoon of sport. Uh, big field at the moment. Obviously, it probably will be thinned out a bit with some of these also engaged in the the Doncaster Cup. Um, Back over at Donny on on the Friday, uh, Fame and Glory is the eleven to four favourite at the moment. Given his run in this last year, where he ran an absolute stinker, and his subsequent flop at Royal Ascot this year, he looks far too short at eleven to four for me. On his day, yet yeah, best horse in the race by a mile, and could look a steal at the prices once once they cross the line. But um, with too much inconsistency in his profile of late, I'm tempted to go elsewhere. Uh, Brown Panther, I've uh, talked about several times on this podcast. He's a horse I seem to tip up almost every time we're here. Never quite comes to uh, comes to pass, but I've followed him for some time, and you know he posted one of his probably his best performance to date in last year's St Ledger. Ran on well that day, and you know it could be that the stars are aligned for him to to repeat on the same day, twelve months on. Looked like he was crying out for further when he turned for home in the King George, looking like, well, like a machine. Um, I really sort of got my hopes up having him backed him each way that day. But as sort of things came to, to the crunch, um, he seemed to get picked off by the speedier horses over a mile four. But back up a, a, a further distance, I think personally he's crying out for cup distances, but I'm hoping to see improvement again back up to a mile six. Also a big Aitken fan, uh, another one who I think the step up in triple uh, definitely helped. He was on for a seventh straight win when he uh, faded back into fourth in the Hardwick at Royal Ascot. But when you finish behind Sea Moon, Dunedin, and Red Cador, two of which filled the first two in the Melbourne Cup last year, it's no disgrace. Um, so yeah, I'd be tempted to. Uh, it was a dead heat between two British Raiders in this race uh, last year, and I'd be tempted to take the two British Raiders against the field again this time. And uh, so that uh, brings us to the, the conclusion where the horse racing is concerned. Yeah, and now it's time for your uh, one true love. And it's uh, Strictly Come Dancing. Lineup revealed uh, this week. Just tell us a little bit about uh, the lineup. Yeah, just, uh, just give me a minute while I squeeze into my spandex. Um, yeah, uh, looks, uh, looks a good lineup, uh, to be honest. And uh, after picking out uh, Chelsea Healy anti post at 18-1 to 1 last year, as she ended up runner up, I've got a bit of a, bit of a reputation to uphold this year. So, um, so I look, got a look at the lineup um, and. Know me, I love a male gymnast, so I was uh, only interested in one person really when uh, I saw the lineup, and that was uh, Olympian Lewis Smith. Uh, straight onto the odds checker to check the bets, and I was amazed to see him at eleven to two, um, which I managed to manage to get myself on at. To be uh, to be brutally honest, uh, into fours now, and um, that, that eleven to two is all dried up, which is just one of the reasons I love betting on Strictly is because the bookies don't have traders who deal in uh, events like this, and there's often some big prices to be sort of plundered from them. Um, still available at fours, like I say, and to me it still looks a big price. Um, oh, we've not seen him dance yet, so he might be rubbish, but Logic is a gymnast. We saw with Matt Baker a couple of years ago that that sort of, you know, obviously helps him with the backflips and that sort of thing. Not going to want for fitness or dedication, which you definitely need on a show like this. And, you know, the Olympic tidal wave of support shows no signs of uh, 
drying up anytime soon. So if you can, especially if you consider that sports personality year is probably going to coincide roughly with the Strictly finals. So that whole Olympic um, summer is going to be dug up again and the wave of support. And let's be honest, Strictly Come Dancing is a show that is voted on mainly, apart from myself, obviously, by women, housewives, young girls. He's not bad to look at, and uh, I'm pretty sure if he gets his six-pack out, that'll be a few votes here and there for him. So, yeah, I mean, I think the bookies have pretty much got it right. Denise Van Outen and Kimberly Walsh both got a uh, West End experience. Um, so, and especially Denise Van Outen, he's going to do well to sort of out-personality her. But we proved last year with uh, McFly Harry winning that personality is not exactly uh, <laughs> a necessity to be successful in this so I think Bucky's pretty much got it spot on so where, where does that put uh, Nikki Byrne of Westlife that have split up young girls housewives um, a good looking fella where does that put, put Nikki he, he's got a chance of firing in there yeah I mean look, just looking at the bet in sporting bet obviously I think he's got a good chance because they've got him there at 4-1 to one, whereas you can get you know 7-2 to two, uh, and bigger with a couple of other people but um, yeah yeah uh, that seven to uh, seven to one, sorry, with the uh, blue square um, and uh, eight eight eight. Westlife not renowned for their uh, energetic routines, um, as I was just saying to you beforehand. If, uh, if the routine involves him sitting on a stool and getting up midway through, then I'd, you'd have to put him as favourite. But um, I've made the mistake in the past of putting uh, pop group experience uh, equals good dancing ability and that worked for me Alicia Dixon's year but feel spectacular for me with uh, Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child when I mean she was dreadful so uh, I'd, I'd be tempted to maybe see how he handles the first couple of weeks but um, yeah I'm pretty confident Lewis Smith could be a bit of a steal at 11-2 to two. I mean looking at bigger priced uh, people possibly cause an upset Colin Salmon could be a bit of a dark horse uh, he's available around 16-1 to 18-1 to one actually with Corals uh, and uh, Sid Owen for me Always flag up one of the EastEnders lot. You got a EastEnders block voting. It's like Eurovision with them sometimes. And uh, his Cockney rascal personality could see him uh, sort of survive a bit longer than he should do, really. So I think fifty to one. He's probably not going to win, but he might give you a good each way run for money. Uh, what about some of the uh, older ladies? I'd love to see a special market of who's going to go the furthest between Firm Britain and Lisa Riley. <laughs> uh, but what about Jerry Hall uh, as well? Do you think people? What like her because of who she is, or, or has she the potential to be one of those that wins some hearts and minds? No, I would, I'd probably go with the the former there, and I would imagine <laughs> Brendan Cole will probably get saddled with her. Um, yeah, Fern Britain, obviously, bags of personality, probably be popular, but probably fill the John Sargent sort of uh, comedy character role. At least Riley probably slips seamlessly into that position as well. Uh, and cricketers have done quite well. Uh, in the past, uh, Darren Goff, Rampakash uh, yeah, as well, true. and Michael Vaughan uh, in there around 18 to 1, looking best price on him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not overly familiar with Michael Vaughan's <clears throat> athleticism, but um, I think in a year where the Olympians are probably going to dominate the headlines in uh, Lewis Smith and Victoria Pendleton, he could possibly be overlooked because the sports people do, they've got the dedication, they've got the competitive streak. Yeah, he could be uh, a bit of an outsider. I think he's my outsider, but, but so you mentioned Pendleton. You just ruling her out. Yeah, female streak. She's, no. she's quite competitive Not as well. <laughs> no, <laughs> no so, Pendleton for me. No, I think yeah, it's a competitive streak in a man is endearing, but I think they don't seem to like a competitive streak in a woman on uh, strictly come dancing. So uh, obviously she's she's going to be fit. She's going to be dedicated, but does her sport necessarily lend itself to dancing as much as gymnastics does? Or 
maybe even cricket. I, I'm, I'm not convinced. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think she'd been off that bike since she was about eight years old. <laughs> watching that documentary on her. So yeah, so Louis Smith. Uh, for you, uh, the second favourite currently in the market, still around four to one in in some places. I think he could be the one from the Olympics who ends up doing nothing, nothing to do with sport. I think he'll be like the Louis Spence. He'll be doing the rounds, <laughs> come the end of this TV presenting all sorts. So yeah, so I think he's got a good good chance, and he seems to have a bit of personality uh, yeah. as well. But uh, yeah, Michael Vaughan would be an outsider. Uh, for me, given that the cricketers, and I would watch Nicky Byrne, because I, I bet he's got some something in his armoury, because <laughs> he sits on a stool a lot, don't mean he can't dance. Uh, so anyway, yes, uh, and um, yeah, from uh, the sequins, you got one other little bit uh, of uh, betting. Yes, yeah, from one us, uh, yeah. popularity contest <laughs> to another. Um, I don't want to get too political, but uh, I just had to sort of point out that Barack Obama's four to nine on to retain it, uh, to be re-elected uh, in November, and to me that looks like printing money because yeah, no one's going to vote for Mitt Romney, surely. Um, obviously, it's no good to uh, to the people who are betting each way on on Enki and the St. Ledger, but if you've got Camelot, to, if you've got the money to back Camelot to win, you know Camelot's two to five. I think Barack Obama's re-election looks a lot more certain, and that's four to nine. So the conventions are over. Democrats coming off a big week. I can only see that shortening up, and I've just got to put my faith in the American public. And and all he, he he ran on hope and change. He's not necessarily delivered that, but we're not going to go back to Republican domination, are we? Mitt Romney, surely. Trust the Americans more than that. So there you go. Get yourself on a Obama Camelot double or a Louis <laughs> Smith in there yeah. as well. Uh, so yeah, like, <laughs> that brings us uh, to the end of uh, this uh, St. Ledger and Strictly Come Dancing and American Politics special <laughs> of the uh, Big Punt podcast. I always check the Twitter just to see uh, any daily bets, especially throughout the, the St. Ledger Festival week uh, from Wednesday through to Saturday. And uh, we'll speak to you next time. Yeah, hopefully enjoy a bit of history.